So hi again from me, um, George Volkaris. I'm here uh, with uh, Bleden Riz. Uh, Bleden is a non-executive director of the European Connected Health Alliance and uh, a commercial lawyer with, with huge experience. Bleden has advised uh, health ministers, uh, the Secretary of State uh, for Health, Prime Minister of the UK, uh, special health advisors, uh, uh, and so on and so forth. So welcome, Bleden. Good afternoon. Um, so... We had um, uh, a, a, a discussion earlier on about um, uh, the, the um, uh, business repercussions and uh, the, the regulation repercussions of the personal health records. Uh, and uh, I understand that, uh, Bladen, you have like a lot of expertise also in, in real-life implementations and in, in the technical side right, uh, of it. So uh, what, what can we uh, – can you give us a few more details and a few more insights on how this works in, in real life now? So um, it doesn't matter what type of um, health benefits you're looking for, mm -hmm. um, pretty much information's at the core of this. Um, so everyone is trying to uh, learn how to um, reduce the cost of long-term conditions uh, because mm -hmm. the, the long-term conditions um, are going to, to make every healthcare system unsustainable. So this is about how do you empower the patient, and, and not just the patient but the person. Um, because if you have a long-term condition such as asthma, and I, I'm asthmatic, uh, this mm -hmm. is about my being well. It's not about my being ill in hospital. So it's about how do you make people give them control over their, their health and the management of their long-term conditions. So key to that is information. And whether, whether you call it an electronic patient record, a personal health record, that's at the, so much at the center of of, um, of the future uh, mm -hmm. in, in terms of making things sustainable. Uh, so for me, um, that I get very frustrated that around Europe uh, you have a lot of people who are very, very anxious about uh, their personal uh, health information, almost mm -hmm. I'd say disproportionately so. So if you contrasted um, the use of internet banking with, with uh, uh, healthcare records, um, vast majority of people are quite comfortable using internet banking. And you think people would be more worried about their money than they would be their health because for the simple reason that the majority of people are well. And for those people who are young, um, you know, the idea of having some long-term conditions feels a very long way off in, in the future. So um, uh, the frustration I have is that uh, most governments have no political capital in explaining the benefits of... Um, the developments of uh, electronic patient records and, and healthcare systems. So what do I mean? Um, most people who go to their GP expect that the information that their GP uh, has is available in the hospital and vice versa. The truth is that more often than not, that information is not known. Mm -hmm. And in an age when IT has been around for you know, a long time, it is perhaps surprising that that type of information isn't readily available um, uh, in soft copy and isn't readily shared. Mm -hmm. And for governments to admit uh, why they need to do this is to admit that they haven't actually dealt with this years ago, and frankly, they should have. Mm -hmm. So, so there's a there's an agenda around not admitting what is poor care and has been poor care for a long time. And there are lots of vested interests around whose record it is, who controls access to it. Um, so there are there are forces at work, if you like, that that make this much harder, frankly, than I think it needs to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
And and so it's uh, again it's this shift of paradigm that we discussed before. It's uh, uh, looking at it more as an empowerment, as you said, of of the user by having access to his full data rather than uh, something that is uh, a concern or or a fear, right, of what's going to happen with my data and who is going to know what is going to happen with that and uh, uh, how this is going to used and uh, and so on and and, and basically um, highlighting the. the the, the benefits actually that um, uh, can be derived for something like the electro electronic um, personal health record uh, versus the current status. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it's not just um, the red tape, maybe. Uh, as you started highlighting, probably pointing out is uh, also an issue of uh, political cost, I guess, of, of trying to make such a big shift and I can imagine why people are um, uh, there's a lot of friction by people in, in giving away this kind of uh, of data uh, but at the same time I think there's no uh, as you said it's there's no clear um, attempt yet to highlight those benefits for for everyone uh, which are not uh, just the cost uh, benefits right because um, an electronic health record obviously will have uh, will make the, the, the will make health care cheaper to put it in simple uh, terms right yeah, yeah. The, I mean there's all sorts of benefits I mean mm -hmm. people a lot of time focus on on reducing cost and if mm -hmm. you like efficiency and that has a that's an important part but there are real things about increasing the quality of care mm -hmm. so the ability of data to be used to um, redesign services to make services safer to improve uh, outcomes this is this is paramount to to all of us having better health care and social care in the future. So there are those type of benefits that people don't understand how what the part data has to play in that, and how it can be used. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, so from uh, from a, a business perspective, um, uh, not necessarily a commercial, but from a business perspective, uh, I understand that uh, being able to put the um, um, the, the patient or uh, the, the person, not necessarily patient, but the person uh, at the center of his uh, health record uh, can create this uh, unique situation that uh, uh, you can produce valuable services and valuable products um, uh, by having the record in the middle, uh, the, the, the state on one hand, making sure that the, the social impact, if you want, of uh, uh, the social benefit of, of the service is still there, uh, but at the same time uh, enable uh, companies create like new services and new products on top of that, mm -hmm. uh, uh, providing some additional value that maybe we can't even imagine right now. New services are completely new products. Is this, is this fusion of those two, at the moment, completely disparate worlds, something that you, you see for, for the future, uh, sooner or later? And those two worlds being? Um, the, 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 the new business and uh, healthcare and the traditional uh, public healthcare system, if you want. Well, not just public, but healthcare. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I'm not sure that you like the phrase disruptive technology, but, <laughs> but, but I think that there are real opportunities for um, connected health, so digital health, e-health, m-health, mm -hmm. to help transform both health and social care systems um, here and now. And 
some of those services, um, they range all, um, pieces of technology that are used, which might be says um, developing um, readings for uh, m- that are more reliable than in the past. Mm-hmm. They might be a combination of um, technology and a clinical service. Um, they could be clinical support tools. It could be um, information in databases that previously doctors would have had to read on, on you know, in, in, in books and in journals and um, being instantly available. So that the range of of, of technology and, and services is is vast, so it's quite difficult to generalize. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but um, what's interesting is to see, and, and people are talking at the eHealth Forum now about um, business-to-business models, business-to-consumer models, um, business-to-business models that then go to business-to-consumer, um, mm-hmm. and, and seeing different payment mechanisms. So I can see a, a, a stage where um, the, the barriers to some of this um, uh, deployment is often clinical and financial evidence-based that things work, whereas outcome-based contracting is. So you say to the government, to the Commissioner of Health and Social Care, um, tell me what you're looking to achieve. So let's just say it's a di- a diabetes. You're talking about reducing the number of amputations, the n- number of cases of blindness. Mm-hmm. So you could see drug companies in the future ceasing to sell drugs and selling uh, outcomes. So they're going to actually reduce the number of people for an insurer uh, where, where, the, where they incur those costs. Now, uh, in return for not paying for the drugs and just having the outcomes, the, the pharma companies need to have adherence programs. They need to be much more successful in the, in, mm-hmm. uh, in the use of their drugs. Now, that will give rise to all sorts of technologies that deal with um, patient education, patient adherence, um, and outcome-based uh, moving and measuring. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, there are ways that and opportunities that are going to come now that are, that for many people they, they won't have foreseen at the moment. Mm-hmm. I, I, what you mentioned, I think, is is, is very important. I mean, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, one of the key issues of most uh, social um, enterprises and social uh, entrepreneurs is how to not just how to quantify the social impact, but how to to actually make it like a, a core part of the business plan that uh, drives the business uh, and, uh, and and what you just described is yeah this is one practical way of quantifying your social impact but also basing a business model and your revenue model in, in this particular case around and, it right yeah and I think in, in England we're seeing the development of social impact bonds mm-hmm. so for those mm-hmm. people not familiar the idea is that you you raise a pot of money uh, from in from financial investors that's the bond uh, and then the bond makes uh, awards of that money to um, organizations, uh, businesses that are delivering um, some health or social care service. Um, The service is delivered to um, a local authority, a city, and it's free to them Mm -hmm. initially. Um, So the bond pays the, the business to deliver the service. If the outcomes that have been agreed at the at the outset are met, then the government, the municipality, the city pays for those services. Um, they're then paying uh, effectively a profit element over and above the amount paid to the provider. And, and actually then you have a win-win. So you have the innovation being deployed mm-hmm. uh, through the bond. Um, the, 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 the government that might be skeptical about whether this service would work, um, uh, don't pay if it doesn't work. And they only pay when it works to certain thresholds, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and society benefits because we have a, um, a the whole idea is it's not just a pure commercial play. This is about creating uh, some form of social impact uh, that is designed that is designed to to, to facilitate 
where the market, the private market, probably wouldn't go initially. And then you create evidence base, both financially and, and from a healthcare perspective, to demonstrate that this service is viable. Mm-hmm. That's actually very interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that a uh, few of our audiences uh, uh, right now are uh, interested in, 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 in starting social startups, uh, social entrepreneur, uh, enterprises. So uh, maybe they need to look into this uh, social impact bonds. You a little bit to uh, what we were saying about the, the, the concerns of, uh, of people with sharing their private data. Um, so their private personal health record in particular. Um, I, I'm just trying to, to, to connect, uh, uh, to draw a line here between that and uh, what's happening at the moment with the uh, quantified self uh, uh, move, wave of new services, if you want, and new products that are uh, coming out there. So, yes, indeed, we have like the personal health record, which is uh, an exact record of what you've done in terms of uh, going to the doctor and your medication and your uh, any kind of conditions that you might have. But on the other hand, we have this wealth, this is a great number of services and, and, and apps and, and sensors that surround you. And from that, it's possible to create a fairly accurate profile sometimes even more accurate than what you can get from your medical record in terms of predicting your your behavior, uh, predictive uh, analytics, and having a very, very um, uh, detailed um, uh, profile of you. Now, why... uh, This is obviously a gray area, right? I don't know if you agree with that, but uh, uh, why aren't people concerned about that that much? Or are they? About their their privacy with their healthcare data. Yeah. Or, so, so I think people in, in health. My personal view is I think that um, people are overly concerned about about their healthcare data, mm-hmm. um, and and I, and I contrast financial data with 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 healthcare data. Why mm-hmm. are we Why are we so worried about healthcare data? But but we are, and I think part of that is about poor communication of uh, the benefits of of what security exists or and how the information is going to be used and by who and why. And if all of that was in the public domain and was very clear, I think many of the people's concerns would, would disappear. Um, but I, I think that um, the use of data, sometimes this uh, red, amber, green data, where you know red is uh, personalized data, it identifies you as an individual, um, which has to be kept private unless you wish to, to share it. Mm-hmm. Um, green data, which is anonymized, which is then available for public health purposes to use for predictive analytics, mm-hmm. which it seems to me in, in countries where you have public health systems, you know, the contract that you've entered into with your with your state is that I have free healthcare in return for which I, I allow my anonymized data to be used for the benefit of developing services and, yep. and, and, and improving and healthcare and planning healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, the difficult area is the pseudo-anonymized data, the AMBER data, as, as it's described, where um, some of the identifiers are required for research. But if that information gets into the public domain, it can be, by, by sophisticated IT individuals, can be linked with other available public information and it identifies you. Exactly. And that's when it becomes you know, much more of a, uh, a contentious issue. But, mm-hmm. the tr- but the truth is that the... The benefits to society on predictive analytics is all about information. And, and we don't get that benefit. There's a trade-off here between some of the privacy concerns and the greater good of using this information, but using it responsibly and with good security. It's the, it's, you know, that's the, the, the precondition for, mm-hmm. for, for using the data in my view. 
and the holy grail maybe yeah well <laughs> and, extent, yeah. and and w- when you look at countries one of the problems is is we talk about integrated care and i'm sure some of the people have been talking about integrated care yeah. so linking your gp record with your hospital record but actually what you really want to do is is link those two with uh, your social care records yeah. okay and with housing records and information because the holy grail of good health is is uh, is healthcare social care and housing um, because that's a big determinant of, of, of how well you are and if you're living in damp mm. houses and so on. So the, you know, the, the, the advantages of linking this data are significant. Absolutely. So, Bladen, that was a very, very insightful conversation. Uh, this was uh, Bladen Rees, uh, non-executive director of the European Connected Health Alliance. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. This is George Vulgaris for techtalkcentral.com. Uh, follow us at our Twitter hashtag TTC Web.